What's going on, everyone? How are you doing on this morning? I am Joseph Aiken, one of the pastors here at Wells Branch Community Church, and I'm excited to start this new series called Back to School, where we'll be kind of looking at our relationship with God and our identity and who Christ is in us and walking through what that means for us in our lives. And so over the next few weeks, we'll talk about some of the, our, our, our identities in Jesus Christ. All right. And so if you have any questions throughout all of this, feel free to text the number that will be on the screen. And Chris, Pastor Pleck uh, podcast, the triple P, PQ, however he wants to call it. But he'll be answering the questions and we'll be talking through it. But we want your questions. We want to answer them. All right, can we jump right in it? Y'all excited? Y'all been waiting to go back to school? And so uh, for all of us, you may or may not know you are always learning, right? During the tensions and frustrations that are surrounded around school just right now, even on the jobs you're learning. Wherever you are, wherever you are, you're always taking in information. You're always learning. And so what we want to do, we want to look at our identity in Jesus Christ as it relates to being servants, as it relates to serving others, as it relates to being members of the body. And so what I've done, I know you're looking at my cool backpack and you're thinking, why does Joseph have a backpack on? Why is he preaching in a backpack? I just kind of want to show you this represents our discipleship, let's say, backpack. That's what we'll call it for the next few weeks. And, and how over the years we've allowed ourselves to fill this backpack up and with different things that may or may not be of Christ. And so what we want to look and see if this is you, then it's because I know it's me that there's some things I need to unlearn when in regards to being a servant. There's some things I probably need to relearn and, and just get a re recap on. Man, I wasn't thinking about that. And so as we walk through this, I want you to ask yourself, are you a servant? And what does that look like? What does servanthood look like? Amen. All right. Will you pray with me as we get ready to jump into this thing? Father God, we thank you. God, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you for what you're doing as we get ready to dive into this this word, God, I pray that you would uh, just allow us to to really evaluate and look within ourselves to to see what you're doing in our lives as it relates to us being servants, as it relates to us serving the body of Christ, God. And so we love you, and we thank you for who you are, God, because you are awesome. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. So look. One of the reasons, and we're just going to jump in, and one of the reasons we resist being servants is because we have this me mentality. It's all about me, right? So I'm going to open up my trusty bag and see, what does me have to do with it? Well, think about this. Think about how often you make serving others, and then of course it gets stuck here, but serving others about you, right? I have this, this trusty mirror, but what happens is when I'm thinking about me, I'm not seeing everyone else. I want to make sure that I'm right and I'm doing good and I look good because that's what the world teaches us. It teaches us to external to, to be something, people have to see me externally. That's how you judge someone, right? And so as long as I'm right, think about how long it takes you to get ready. As long as I'm looking good, yep, my beard is straight. Might need to cut a little bit off the top. But that's what we do, right? We're, we're making sure that we look good before we do anything else when it comes to being a servant. We're not operating in what God has called us to do. And then another way we resist uh, doing this is we value people like the world tells us to. The world tells you that people are to be idolatry, idolat like we're supposed to idolize people. 
We're supposed to think highly of people, and so you follow them on social media. Now you got all these influencers, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing to look up, to have people that you, you follow and things like that. That's not what I'm saying. What happens is though we begin to allow them to dictate who we are, and our identity is in them and how they look. Oh, I want to wear that. And everything about us, oh, I don't quite have my hair cut like that. We begin to identify so much so and get caught up in so much of what the world is telling us to look like that we begin to lose our identity and who Christ Jesus is in our life. We begin to lose our identity as servants because, again, we go back to looking at us. I don't look like them, but, but I want to look like them. And so I have to work on me. And not realizing that naturally when you are looking at yourself, you're creating a blind spot to where you don't even see anyone else. Right? You don't even begin to see the things around you. All you see is yourself. And lastly, another way we, uh, we resist being servants or our role as servants is we try to outdo each other. We try to outdo each other because that's what the world tells us to do. People, the world tells you, you know, you got to take care of yours by any means necessary. It doesn't matter who kind of steps up in front of you. You just kind of knock them down. You walk on over them, and then you go to the next one. You beat them up. You knock them down. You go to the next one, right? It doesn't matter who you step on to get there as long as you outdo them, as long as you're the best that you can be. That's what the world tells us to do. And so... Through this verse, if you have your Bibles, Romans chapter 12, we're going to look at our identity as servants. And one of the things we have to understand that before we can dynamically and be intentional about our relationship with others, we first have to look at our relationship with God. And we first have to have a dynamic relationship with God. And so this is where it picks up Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And it reads, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Y'all, for those who don't know it, this chapter 12 is like an introductory section to the last part of Romans. What Paul has done, he's given us theology all before this, and he's saying this is the, the pragmatic, this is the practical part of what you need to do as believers, what you need to do as Christians. The first thing you need to work on is your relationship with God. The first thing you need to work on is, is how you're interacting and how you're allowing God to speak in and through you. And so what Paul does, he, he tells them, he doesn't give them a command. He doesn't give them a command. He gives them a call to action, not a command to action. Right? What he's saying is, I urge you, I beseech you, I appeal to you, please. I know when I was growing up, um, whenever my mom used this word similar to this, it was behoove. That was my mom's favorite word to let you know that if it would be in your best interest to fall in line with what I'm saying, it would behoove you to do this or something else would happen. Right? It, well, Paul is saying, hey, God, to be a Christian, you don't have to do these things. But my response to what Christ did on the cross is that I want to serve him. I want a strong relationship. It's not the conditions of the cross. I don't have to. God is saying, you should want to do this. This is what Paul wants you to understand. And then he goes on in verse 2. Uh, he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal. Everybody write down renewal if you haven't, by the renewal of your mind, because that's a strong word, that by testing you may discern uh, what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So what happens is this word conforming means to pattern yourself after. And so you're patterning your, patterning yourself after the world. And God is saying, hey, I don't want you to do that. 
Stop playing copycat with the world because what the world wants you to do is not what I've called you to do. Remember, you have to present yourself, what? A holy, a living sacrifice. And while that may say, that, might, that may seem uh, oxymoronic when you think, well, how do I live and how do I die? At the same time, what God is saying when he says this is, I want all of you. I want you to deny yourself and surrender to me because I have more for you. In order for you to get to a place to where you're not conforming to this world, you have to deny yourself. You have to surrender everything within yourself. You have to say, I'm not my own. I am God's and I want to walk in that will. And, 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 and this, this conforming to the world means I'm allowing the world to teach me. Because remember what we said at the beginning, that we're all learning. Some would say, I'm a life learner. We're all life learners. It's just uh, this passive way. Who's the one that's teaching you? Who's the one that's pouring into you? Who's the one that's dictating where you go and what you do? Because here they give us two options. It says you conform to this world or you're transformed by the renewal of your mind. Where? In the will of God. This word transformation comes from, um, if you look it up in the Greek, it has metamorphosis, right? And when you think of metamorphosis, I know anytime I talk to somebody about this, the first thing that comes to mind is that caterpillar to butterfly. What you learn is that caterpillar eventually goes through this metamorphosis, this change. It doesn't look like what it did before and then goes to the butterfly, right? But what's happening is a lot of us have made the change. A lot of us have made this transformation, but we still think that we're caterpillars and we're still walking around on the ground when God says, I've given you wings to do some things to take you to different levels. I want you to go higher. But there has to be, in order for this transformation to, to completely happen, in order for it to happen, there has to be a renewal of your mind. This word renewal means to renovate. What does renovate mean? It's to, to move what's in out. And God says, in order for me to merge my thoughts with your thoughts, you have to move your thoughts out of the way. Your thoughts can't dwell within the thoughts that I have for you. Your ways can't dwell within what I'm doing. And if you want there to be a renovating of your mind, a renewal of your mind, then the first thing you have to do is move you out the way. If you are in this, then you're in the way. And God says, I want all of this for you. In order for you to get to a place to where you're actually able to serve someone else, you have to, 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 to really strengthen this relationship between you and God. If, you're, if, you're, if, if, if you want to go further and, and understand what God has for you, get out the way and let him take you there. All right, let's look at verse 3. It says, for by the grace given to me, for by the grace, do you know what grace is? Do you really understand what grace is? Uh, I know you can't see, see my shoes and you'll see them later on, uh, but I have a pair of shoes on. They're brown. You'll see them at the end of service. And somebody came up to me and said, man, Joseph, how many pair of shoes do you have? I said, I don't know. I have a lot of shoes, uh, but I don't buy them, Right. So my brother, when he buys new shoes, he actually gifts me a pair of his shoes. Like, he doesn't like to hoard, and so, you know, I don't mind buying him shoes because that means I get a new pair of shoes myself, right? But the thing about this is too often uh, we get gifts, and then we act like we pay for the gifts, and we act like we're the ones that made or created this thing. And so this gift that, that God has given us, this is what grace is talking about. By the grace of God, God has given you a gift. And you're walking around acting as if this is your gift and not God's gift that he's given to you, not God's gift that he's called you to use. And so it says, for by the grace given to me, I say to you, everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith 
that God has assigned. My first point is this, by the renewal of my mind will transformation happen within me. Renewal of my mind will transform me. Renewal of my mind will transform me. When I begin to allow God to renovate what's going on in my head, then I stop thinking of myself as great because I know that the gifts that I'm operating in, the job that I'm working, the house that I'm living in, all these things were not my own. They were graciously given to me by God. Therefore, they should be uh, happily being used, joyfully being used by me, acknowledging the one who gave it to me, acknowledging the God that gave me, acknowledging that God gave me all these things. Right. If we we have to understand God wants to take you somewhere. And in order for you first to understand what it means to be a servant, you have to understand who you serve. You have to understand who God is in you, because the measure in which or the joy that's within you that God is filling you up with, then that is what will come out. Right. You 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 put out what goes in. And if your input is the world, then your output will be the world. If your input is, is frustration and anger, then the output will be that. And so when we're allowing the world to speak to our lives, speak in our lives and teach us and disciple us, because you're being discipled by something. You're being discipled by someone. It's either the world or it's God. And so you're operating in whichever one of those. And if the world's voice is louder than, than God's, then that's what you'll react out of. So let's keep going. Look at verse 4. It says this. For as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body, and individually members one another, having gifts that differ, that differ according to the grace. There go that word again, something that God has given us. The grace given to us, let us use them. We'll pause right there for a second. It's important for us to understand that God has, has individually made us different, and that's okay, but we're still part of the body. What does that mean? That means you are important because you're a part of the body. But trust me when I say this, remember, you're one member of the body. That means it's not all about you. It's not all about you. It's all about the, the growing of God's kingdom. So you have to get to a place to where you first have self-denial before you can even get here. Self-denial. Once you deny self, then you say, I surrender, God, to you. Whatever you would have for me, it's up to you. And then you get to this place to where you're able to use these giftings, where you have that selfless service to do the will and the work of the Lord. Before you get there, you have to deny self. See, what happens too often is the world, because it is so loud, it becomes music to our ears. Right? And we allow ourselves to operate in the what we're hearing and what we're seeing, and this is our input. It's coming in, and we believe what we hear. And so the world tells us that we're supposed to be individuals. And so we're individuals. The world tells us because of what we look like, we should be separated. So we're separated. The world tells us these things, and we listen to it because we have it loud and clear in our heads. And it becomes music. And we just bob into the beat. Right. And we don't even realize that we're separating ourselves from the body. We don't even realize we're operating out of our uh, operating out of our own strength. We don't even realize that it's a me first. And so, you know, I go back to it. I'm like, "Woo, I look good. That's me. Thank you, Lord, for making me look good. That's so much thank you get. We make it about us. That music plays so loud that we can't hear 
what God is trying to get us to understand. And see, Paul goes on in verse 6 at the second part. He says, if prophecy in proportion to our faith. Verse 7, if service in our serving. The one who teaches in his teaching. Verse 8, the one who exhorts in his exhortation. The one who contributes in his generosity. The one who leads with zeal. The one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Y'all, each member of the body is different. Each member of the body is different. And once we understand that the differences is okay, once we understand the goal is to, to really push in the kingdom and not my kingdom, not my music, not the world's music, then, then we'll understand. Then we'll understand how it means to serve because the grace that God gave me should make me want to work and do, use the gift for God's glory. The grace that God gave me should make me want to use the gift for God's glory, not for my own. I don't want to get in the way, God. I don't want it to be about me. I don't want the world to dictate who I idolize. God, I want it to be you that I love. God, I want to operate in your strength. And so this difference between us is supposed to be like that. And so it shouldn't be a competition where I'm trying to say, oh, well, he's a, he's a better prayer than me and and she, she, she just serves better on this ministry than me. She's such a great singer. We should not uh, allow our differences to disparage ourselves and what God has done for us because we all have gifts. The Bible tells us we all have at least one of these spiritual gifts. So to use it, to get to moving so you know, okay, God, this is my strength. This is where you call me to do. Sitting down, not doing nothing isn't the avenue that God has called us to. Let's keep going. It gets to, to, to my favorite part of this. My favorite part of this, Romans uh, 12 and 9 says this, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. And here's that word outdo again that we talked about. Outdo one another in showing honor. We'll get to that. But let's go back to let love be genuine. And so here, uh, this word let love be genuine kind of paints this picture of allowing our love to be undisguised. Uh, of an actor who acts with a mask on, right? He covers up his face to hide who he is, to hide his emotions. This word, let your word be genuine. This word genuine means you're not masked up. And what happens is as believers, we allow ourselves to cover up everything because we have to put on this show. We have to put on this facade that we have everything okay. You won't accept me if I'm wearing this mask. You won't, you, you won't accept me if, if you see what's behind this mask. But when you see it, it's okay because everything looks good. How are you doing today? I'm good. Knowing that you're broken and torn and struggling inside. And what God wants you to understand as believers, because this is who this message is for, he said, the only way the mask will become unmasked is when you take off yours. The only way people will stop hiding who they are is when you stop hiding who you are. The only way that we can allow this vulnerability to take place and this intentionality to take place is if you become more intentional. If you become uh, more trusting in who God is and the testimony and the story he's allowed you to go through. Because when you begin to operate in your own strength, you put up these, these filters. And God says, I only want one filter. The filter where you actually get to see me. You see me and all of me. You see my dirt. You see my mess up. You see the blurredness of who I am. I am not perfect. 
That's what the people need to see. In order to be a servant, in order to serve people well, God says you have to stop trusting in your own strength. You have to surrender everything you are and who you are because that's the only way that he can take you. That's the only way he can get you to the next level. That's the only way you can get to a place to where you stop closing doors and start opening doors. Look what it says. Verse 11. It says, do not be slothful in zeal. What this means is, here's a picture. This past weekend, I helped my cousin move, and I know she's watching now. And so, uh, Jessica, please forgive me for this story that I'm about to tell. But we was helping her move, and I, it was kind of last minute, I think. And my brother and I are upstairs, and she's saying, well, I don't want to keep the couches. Cool. So we just threw the couches over the, the ledge because we didn't want to carry them down the stairs. Right? Just threw them over the ledge. They broke a little bit, threw them in the dumpster. And then as we're moving dressers and bed frames and all these different things, and it's already kind of an apartment up the stairs. It's always, you know, it's weird getting upstairs on two stories. And we're trying to move this big dresser around. And I kind of might have put a slight dent in the back of it, but nobody will see it, Jessica, so it's okay. Nobody will see it. But what happens is the the longer I I was working, the less I cared about moving. It's like, oh, let's hurry up and just get this on the job. Let's just do it. You know, if it breaks, it breaks. I might buy her another one. I don't know. That's what we get. That's that's how we can get with our faith. We can get so comfortable with where we are that we're operating on the fumes of our relationship with who Jesus Christ is. We lack zeal because we're not growing our relationship. We're not in our word to learn more, to 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 see Jesus Christ in a in a different way. The reason my wife and I know each other so well, we've lived with each other. We sleep in the same bed. We eat together. We do all these things together always. And so by her facial expression, I can tell what she's thinking. I can tell when she's not good. And so when I ask my wife, how are you doing? She says, okay, I can see through the okay and see that she's hurting or, or see that she wants more. And I, and I know because I spend time and God is saying, don't lose your zeal for me. And he backdoors that with be fervent. Be overflowing, be, be, be super excited to the point that you're overflowing in spirit. Serve the Lord. Because when you're doing that, then you will serve others. Did you know that your, your love or the love of Christ that is in your heart will reciprocate for others? And so if you're not serving others, that's probably because of your relationship with Jesus Christ, your relationship, your prayer life, you're in your word. And God, when God showed that and revealed that to me, I was like, wow. I said, I need to do better. I need to pray more. I need to get in my word even more because I, I, I can see that my relationships may be, uh, they're not as vulnerable as I would want them. And God says, well, when you open up to me more, then watch how that vulnerability begins to change the things around you. Because when you, when you allow yourself to be transformed by God, it alters your relationship with the world. And so you start saying, you start saying, I'm not going to go to that. This is how God wants me to do it. Then I'll do it. It says, verse 12, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. And I know for me, and maybe this is just me, that my, my prayer life is constant during the struggles, during the tribulations. But when I feel like it's all good, it kind of like I talk to God every day. just not like I talked to God like I used to. Right, God's saying you have to be constant in your prayer life. You have to allow me, uh, you have to allow this relationship to grow. And the only way that happens is you talk. And as we get ready to close, look at this. It says, contribute to the needs of the saints. It tells you to serve. Contribute. 
And so this word contribute is kind of a, a good word. It reminds me of this story, uh, the chicken and the pig, in regards to the bacon and eggs breakfast, right? The chicken contributes to the breakfast. The pig, he gives everything, right? You get that. The chicken says, I'll give you an egg here, egg there, and good. But when the, the pig gives us the bacon, that's it. He's done. He's given everything, and God wants us to bring the bacon, so to speak. That's what he wants. He wants us to give him everything. He doesn't want us to be like the chicken in our relationship with him and every now and then contribute to what's going on. Every now and then say, I'll, I'll give God a little bit of me here and a little bit of me here there. But no, when it comes to serving, God, I'll be a servant, but you just make me the executive servant. Right, God? That's how this relationship works. I, I, I won't be the least of them. Just, just make me the greatest of the servants, and that way I can tell other servants what to do. Right? Some of us have this mentality, like, I can't clean that, God, but I can do this. As if you can dictate your servanthood for God. As you can dictate who he is. And, and so then he goes and says, and seek to show hospitality. This, this right here kind of opened my, open, literally opened my mind. He says, seek to show hospitality. The first thing we need to do is, or one of the things we need to do when we're building these relationships and we're serving people, is not to, to wait for them to come knock on our door. It's not to, to, to wait for them to cross our paths. It literally says to seek. That means to intentionally and be actional about going out and being hospitable. You see, I'm a firm believer that you have to reach people before you teach them. You have to reach them before you can teach them. And so if I am not hospitable, if I'm not going out seeking these relationships, knocking down these walls, building and, and not having filters around who we are, and, and, and then I can't, I'm not seeking. I'm not doing what God has given me to do. I'm not using the grace and the giftings that he's called me to. And so that all starts with this. That all starts with letting your love be genuine, undisguised, no filter, no mask, no glasses, God says, let your love be genuine and authentic. And the only way that happens if your relationship, if your vertical relationship with him is genuine, if you're allowing his love to flow through you, and then it will flow through you horizontally to your different relationships and what you're going through and how you're going through it. It will. It has to. Because his, what, what's, and, and it's, it's amazing to me how much and how great God is when you allow him to operate and take the will. God isn't designed, he's not our co-pilot, he's our pilot. And too often we say, God, I'm going to turn the left, all right? As if, if we're giving him direction, God says, I want to give you directions. And so my question for you today is this, will you be servants? Will you be servants? And what this makes me think of, um, about a week or so ago, I was playing outside with my son and daughter. Or they were playing, I was actually studying and working. And we had been out two minutes, y'all, two minutes, and it might have been, you know, Texas has been 100-some degrees every now and then, but we had only been out for two minutes. And they forgot the waters inside, which inside was just right around the corner, uh, through the door. And I brought my water. Mind you, it wasn't filled up. And in two minutes, my daughter, my two-year-old daughter comes to me and says, Daddy, water. I didn't want to give her the water. I didn't want to get the water because I have a big container, and then I had to help her. I was like, go play. You just came outside. You don't really need water, Right? Then my son, Daddy, can I have some of your water? No, go play. You don't need water. Play outside. That's what you do. You know, sweat. That's what kids do, right? And they kept coming back, and then eventually I gave him some water. I helped him, and I gave my daughter some water. And, of course, my son came, and he got some water. And then my daughter came and got some water. And one of the reasons I didn't want to share with my kids because, you know, it's a 50-50 chance that I can drink the water again after I allow them to drink it. Right? I don't know. 
And so she's drinking, and God, while they was drinking the water, God revealed to me, uh, this is how my mindset needs to change. This is where the renovating of my mind needs to happen because this is how I serve people. I do it, but I do it grudgingly. If it's happening in my home, then it's definitely happening outside of my home, right? And God said, you see how you serve your kids? And, you know, I mean, I get it. It's just water. And I gave them water. I'm not going to let my kids die. I don't want you to think. But God was, God was showing me. What God was showing me is that your servant, this is, I've given you the opportunity to care and to, to, to serve your kids. And this is just a cup of water. This is just a cup of water. This is how you serve with the small things. Then how are you serving with the big things? And God, God it was completely, and they, I felt it. And maybe it was just me that I need to hear that. But how I serve has to change. And the only way it changes by allowing the Holy Spirit to remove some things inside of me. Allowing the Holy Spirit, because it's good. Because when he says, be a, a, a living sacrifice, that's me surrendering. Being holy, that's him. I just follow him in doing that. Being pleasing, that's him. I just follow him. So my part is say, God, you can have me. God, you can do it. God, I give it all to you. So will you be a servant? One that does it out of the abundance of who God is. One that does it out of the grace that God has given you. One that does it because this gift is not yours. This gift is not mine. It is the Lord's. And I'm just giving it back to him how he wants me to do it by serving others. And so at this time right now, we're going to move and transition to a time of confession and repentance. Confessing that, God, I've messed up. God, I've fallen short. God, I'm not enough. And you are more than enough. God, I can't do this on my own. And I need you. But I, I don't know. I don't know what to do, and this is, this is why we do this. We do this for each other. Remember, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about the other pastors. This is about God's glory, and he's graced us with some things. He's graced us with uh, the gifts for the use of pushing his purpose and his calling. And if I'm, su- if I'm supposed to be, how can I expect others to be excited about this gift and my identity and who he is if I haven't even identified with it. And so use this time right now. I'll pray real quick, but use this time to confess and repent. Just whatever it is that you need to confess and repent. So Father God, we thank you. God, we thank you because we are not enough, but you are. God, we thank you because you didn't come to be served, but to serve others. You led the way. You modeled it for us. So my prayer right now, God, is that we become more intentional about our relationship with you, God, about allowing you to shift and change some things in our mind, allowing you to renovate things that we thought was okay, the pictures in our life that you say, take down. God, we want to put pictures of you up. We don't want people to see us, God. We want them to see you. The light that shines within us is you, God. The, the goodness in me is you, God. The purpose in me is you. The holiness that is in me, it's you. God, I am a living sacrifice for you, God. So I pray right now, God, that you would use us 
for that, for your will, God. In Jesus' name, amen.